0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Alias for another episode of The Banyan. Take it
1: away. Let's begin by giving a round of applause to this gentleman with the microphone, Samir Beham, An audio wizard who makes this happen. I'd like to extend the round of applause to one of the most special guests I've had since I started this podcast, Na'ila al-Haris. A round of applause to Na'ila. This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle: The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shattar, and this is the Beirut Banyan. I've done this podcast for about six years. I've recorded, I think, up to 500 episodes or more. I'm rarely nervous. And tonight I am nervous because this is a special occasion for me. Just to give you a background story. I met Neila by accident. I think 10 days ago, maybe at Calais in a cafe in Khair. I walked into the cafe and I thought the staff was in trouble because there was a woman almost lecturing the staff and i thought oh they're all going to get fired <laughs> it turned out no she was giving a sign language instruction a sign language course at the cafe and it took me a second to really see what was happening and i stepped away just to observe uh, it caught me off guard and i waited for Naila to finish i waited patiently and she introduced herself And I asked her all the questions I'm sure she did not want to hear after giving a course. And she was very generous to say yes. She was willing to join the podcast tonight. It's extra special because Naila's parents are in the audience as well. If you could just wave your hands. Yes, mother and father. I have to admit it takes time for me to tear up when I see videos online. Uh, I watched Neila's TEDx at LAU, and she introduces both of you in the video. It is heartwarming. It's emotional. And I almost teared up tonight when I met you both in person. It's a beautiful story. Thankfully, Neila told me a bit about her own personal story before joining tonight. But I think it goes without saying, this country is magical because of women like her. You should be very proud of your daughter. And that's my mom. <laughs> she's not proud of me. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm. <laughs> whatever you say, we'll keep it in private. <laughs> no, no, I think whatever she's... <laughs> oh, I can hear you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so, I'd like to jump into the wider rule of an interpreter like Naila in lebanon today and to be honest sorry
2: can you repeat because i did not catch this so i can interpret for them yeah
1: i'd like to jump in to the wider role of what naila does not just for a living but she does from her heart which is she gives courses on sign language to cafes and this is passion this is more than a profession and she's also a sign language interpreter But just really the background and the backstory of Naila's journey and why she's here tonight. And really the basics of sign language, which we'll get into a bit later. But I'd like to start with the personal journey. I think it's easy to suggest that it's just your parents that are hearing impaired. And therefore you became an instructor. But I don't think that's the story. I'm going to guess there's more to it than that. So what so, took you to so sign
2: language? You, so you are uh, so you're asking me um, why I teach sign language?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's nice to hear your voice.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I think uh, it's it's very hard to uh, to like to pinpoint where my um, story or my journey began. Um, uh, of course, yani mama baba, both of them are deaf. And I learned to uh, speak uh, sign language before I began, you know, voicing words. Um, but mainly, yani, all of my friends, they constantly ask me, can you teach me, can you teach me? And I always said, no, I'm not a teacher um, but I was, this one time I was in a coffee shop, which is Calais in, uh, in Ras, Beirut. And I had a friend who had his laptop and he was working. Uh, and then I opened a video call uh, with a deaf uh, friend and I was talking to him in sign language and I was just moving my hands. <laughs> um, so when I finished, I, I put my phone down. So my friend closes his laptop and he's like, Can you teach me sign language? I'm like, okay, I'll teach you a, a few signs. Because he he's he was traveling outside Lebanon. So I thought, oh, no, fine, like I'll teach him a word or two. Um, but then I saw the, the staff of the coffee shop, they came and all of a sudden there were like there's a group of like five or six people standing, and I'm teaching them. And I realized Oh my God, I, I, I enjoyed it. I liked teaching. Uh, and they caught the words in, in sign language very quickly. Um, so one of them um, asked me if, uh, if, I'd be, uh, if I'd want to teach in, uh, in the coffee shop. And I thought, sure, wh- why not? Okay. Um, so I got in touch with um, the owner of the coffee shop and uh, and she directly said yes and this is how it started after that I got this uh, crazy idea but then I'll uh, you want me to tell you
1: yeah of course okay
2: so so it started in one coffee shop but then I was thinking if I want if I I, I really like teaching sign language and then I thought if I want to teach more where do I go I don't I don't have a space um, to teach. But then I thought, you know, deaf people always tell me, uh, we don't have um, a location to like meet, uh, to speak in sign language, um, to um, share ideas. And I thought it's such a shame. Um, You know, like in Beirut, we have a lot of coffee shops and if if there is only one um, staff member who knows sign language, deaf people would be excited to come back. Uh, and I had this idea, okay, I'm going to invade all of the coffee shops in Beirut and teach sign language there. And they're going to offer me the space, and I'm going to teach their staff. And when I'm when I'm done with this course, I'll move to another coffee shop. And my vision in the future is to... Um, or the goal is to um, have Beirut much more inclusive just because the coffee shops have people in them who speak sign language.
1: I have to say I am really impressed that you're able to do two things at once. You're able to communicate what you're saying and also express through sign language together. I've never seen anyone master both in the same talent you're a good teacher and clearly you have expressive capabilities that come out naturally and i'm going to just assume this comes from your childhood growing up and a family that have a family that both sides are hearing impaired uh the decision for you to take this in a way into a personal mission did you find that your parents or the deaf community at large was having difficulty with day-to-day activities because you chose a cafe or let's say cafes to make this a it's almost a point cafes would include or reinvite or made more hospitable to a deaf community did you see that yourself growing up that your parents did not feel comfortable going out that you wanted someone like them to have that easy access
2: Uh I have uh I have uh, many stories of um these moments when I felt like deaf people are not um fully in- included and I feel like it's, it's such a shame it's it's so bad because these people and like all of the deaf community in Lebanon they have so many talents and a lot of things to Uh, to share and to teach for the world and so I have these stories of um, moments when uh, a deaf person would uh, would feel a a little bit of um, discrimination or um, maybe frustration because the the hearing person um, would feel a little bit you know like I don't know what to do how can I talk to them and, and I see these two people who really, 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 they want to communicate, but they don't know how. So I saw that, you know, deaf people, um, you know, they, they find it very difficult to maneuver life in Lebanon uh, when it comes to, like, encountering uh, hearing people. But also, hearing people feel like, feel, feel very frustrated. And why I... I cannot communicate. You know, what's that? It's it's very frustrating for both of them. So for me, making this decision, um, growing up, I saw that... Um, I, so I'll go back. Sorry, because this is taking me time because I'm interpreting, but trying to catch my ideas as well. Um,
1: Take as much time as you'd need. I've never seen anyone be able to do two things at once like this, so... You have all the time you need.
2: Thank you. Just um, not until
1: tomorrow morning. No, no, uh, no, no I, not, not,
2: <laughs> not until tomorrow morning. We'll do it now.
1: <laughs> Someone's clapping that? Thank you. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Everyone wants to go home. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm joking.
2: <laughs> okay, I'll make it fast. Um, uh, I, I grew up inside a family with deaf uh, parents. I never in my life felt like, like um, deaf people are different. I, th- I thought it's a normal thing, you know. Uh, deaf people just have a different way of communicating. And unt- it, it was until this one thing happened that I felt, oh wow, um, you know, like hearing people uh, see the community of the deaf people very differently. Uh, this is the world, and this is the world, and I'm standing in between. Um, I, I was with my mom. We were going uh, to a very big mall, or I don't know what. And it was they had carpets. Uh, so my mom, uh, she walked there. She saw a, a beautiful carpet, and she asked this guy, "How much is it for?" She did not use her hands. She just uh, spoke, and this guy looked at her, and he replied in English, and so. And I was really young. I was like four or five years old. So I'm like, Ammo, uh, she's speaking in Arabic. She doesn't understand English. He's like, no, she just spoke in English. I couldn't understand her. This was the first time I remember I understood, okay, um, hearing people cannot fully communicate or understand deaf people. And this was where I okay I understood that I have a role of interpreting, and bridging the gap between these two uh, worlds. I think I missed your your
1: question. No, no, it's it's I mean it's a big question because you've had now uh, a in a way it's more than just your life story it's a career as well. But just the from what you saw and it could be anecdotal that you saw your parents or even in general a deaf community with obstacles that should not be there. Is that the reason why you decided to turn this into, in a way, it's a mission for you to make it easily accessible, to do the basics in sign language?
2: Um, I don't want to say that I, that I am teaching now uh, sign language just because I uh, want to see uh, Lebanon um, more accessible. I think, I'd like to think that I'm teaching sign language because I learned so much from the deaf community. I don't see that um, hearing people, you know, uh, they have more. I see the the deaf community as a extremely rich and um, this community, Roni, um, they have a lot of information, talents, uh, life lessons that we as hearing people are missing out on. We don't know uh, what these people know because we cannot communicate with them. So for me, I think it's the other way around. It's, I'm, I'm creating this bridge because the hearing world, they really need to learn a lot from the deaf community. Um, the accessibility is something that we will, we, you know, we will reach eventually. Um, now or in the future, we, we're going re- to reach it, because the whole world is, is realizing, and no, come on, we cannot have interpreters uh, missing from events or whatever. So we're, we're going to reach the accessibility, but it's the, the way of seeing the world that it's not the hearing people who are helping or supporting the deaf community. It's the other way around. It's what we can learn from the deaf people because I learned so much. And so teaching sign language for me is about sharing what I learned, uh, how I see my my own body, how um, sign language makes me understand my own ideas, and feelings, and where I where I feel these feelings in my body, so I can give a few examples. Actually,
1: sure, yeah. And I, I, I'll let you. Yeah. But I want to say one thing. I'm really glad you're saying uh, that you're you're pointing at an issue that I deal with regularly, which is that this is not a disability. And I actually appreciate that you're flipping the whole story on its head by saying hearing people should be more attentive. And perhaps, pardon the pun here, should listen more to a community that is hearing impaired. So I appreciate you flipping the narrative on its head. And I interrupted you. You can go back to the anecdotes.
2: No, you, you did not interrupt me. I was uh, done with my ideas. Um, but I i have an, an exercise that maybe I can uh, ask everybody to uh, participate in. But not the deaf people. Deaf people, please try not to sign. Please, it's... Put For your hands. Cheating? <laughs> <laughs> because I want um, to ask the hearing people to uh, try to speak in sign language. So please, deaf people, do not use your hands. Okay, please. Thank you. Uh, even, even, uh, even hearing people who know uh, sign language. Um, so I want to ask everybody to just close your eyes. And I will say one word. Uh, and you just intuitively try to think how would you say it in sign language this okay? is where you
1: steal all our money and uh, you the, leave? yes
2: i steal your money because your eyes are closed yes. <laughs> and i have deaf people with me to help me this is a family business <laughs> this is <laughs> this is my family business Yes, we steal we wait for people to uh, close nice their purse. eyes where did you steal. get that from <laughs> no. I'm kidding,
1: I'm
2: kidding. <laughs> Um, okay, so close your eyes and uh, and try to use your hands to um to say this word. I want you to think of the word nervous. How would you do it? Okay. Just open your eyes. I know that there are people who are listening to uh, this podcast and they can't see. So we see people shaking, uh, their hands are shivering. We see people who have their uh, fists clenched. Um, And so in in sign language, um, nervous is like this, exactly how you guys did. So it's like there are hands that are shivering and they're not... Above your head, because this is something. This is actually clapping in sign language, and we intuitively know that, you know, if there is a there is a feeling that is a bit negative, our hands are a bit lower. If there is a feeling that is positive, our hands go up, and and nobody teaches us this. And this is the beautiful thing about sign language is that um, it's it's so intuitive that. People, when they start learning sign language, they tell me, "Oh, but uh, but I do this sign all the time. I did not know that this is sign language." And and for me, if if I teach more um, words in sign language, people will maybe they will start understanding their own feelings because I I experienced this. I felt like I can understand my feelings. Better when I when I stop for for a second and I think about the sign, this sign of example, anger. Like my my fists are closed. There's something near my stomach. This is where this is where anger starts. Uh, pride. Uh, pride is something you feel deep down inside, and then it goes up. So you you need to express. That you're proud, just like your, your mom was telling you she's proud of you. Uh, she felt like she needs to express, right? Um, so it's just like that, you know, sign language is so beautiful. It's like, it's like a map of our feelings in our body or our ideas and how they, uh, they exist in the world. Um, it's, so, it's so beautiful
1: so we'll get into maybe other types of examples like nervousness which comes out naturally i guess to most people it's a it's almost like an expression that i think is shared in its physical aspect but before we get into that i'd I'd like to ask you two really basic questions and i'm sorry if this is a bit too naive on my side is there uh a sign language uh is is there sign language access in Lebanese schools? Is there something that is sort of standard that deaf people can learn through sign language in schools, not only private, but public too? So it's a very basic, uh, like how how accessible is sign language when it comes to education? So
2: in Lebanon- um, Sorry, what is Lebanon? Lebanon. So So this is, uh, Ah. Yes, just like the uh the cedar tree. Yes. So oh. yes.
1: That's amazing.
2: So it's it's very it's it's iconic. It's,
1: it's like, symbolic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. sorry interrupt.
2: No, no, go ahead. Um whenever you 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 want to ask about a word, just interrupt me and tell me.
1: I will ask actually cuz Lebanon came up. Are we literally just doing a tree or is the are these words?
2: So and in, in the example of Lebanon, we are—it's as if we are drawing the the tree, so it's one on top and the other one is on the bottom.
1: So this is a. So very... you
2: don't do it in the same place. You you need to visually draw it.
1: So it's a very stupid question, but if you're not, let's say you're deaf, and someone from Lebanon says, "I am from Lebanon," how would they know that that is Lebanon? They would have to know it already or is there a way to spell it out
2: Um, the 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 signs for countries in the world are international so all of the countries deaf people know that this sign is for syria for example this sign is for lebanon
1: so syria is
2: is like this because you have uh, you have two stars uh on the flag so each finger is points as at a star for example?
1: And that would be difficult if you're from... Let, let's say you don't know uh, the flag of Syria or you don't know that Lebanon has a tree on its flag. How would you be able to explain that without that knowledge in advance?
2: Um, so if, if you're, you're asking if this person is deaf? Yeah. Okay. So uh, just like any word that is a name... Um, you can start by uh, basically pronouncing. You ju- use the letter like yeah. L, E, B, you know, like right. Lebanon. Yeah. Uh, or like you can show it on the map or on the phone. Uh, and the same way you introduce a person to your name, um, you, you can use the letters. But then this is where a very beautiful thing about sign language begins is that, you know, each name has its own sign. And in, um, in the deaf community, uh, each person, uh, they have their own sign. And, and the basis is uh, uh, like, a, like a physical feature. Like for example, Lebanon, you can see the tree on the flag. Or for Syria, you can see the two uh, stars on the flag. So for people, maybe like for me, it's Naila, like in reference to my curly hair. For someone else, it can be, you know, they have this, uh, like, like the, the mole, uh, be- beauty mark on their face. So other people call me na'ilo by referring to this beauty mark. Um, it can be a, a, a habit, like for example, um, uh, I know uh, a woman whose sign is like this, because she, she used to smoke a lot. She stopped smoking cigarettes, but her sign is still that, as if she's smoking so this is her sign um, so that
1: would be more among those that know each other but for lebanon you'd have to maybe or syria which is that's a very was it like this the two yeah that would i guess have to be pronounced for somebody who would not
2: so for not, the first time if this person doesn't know this country you would pronounce but then you would show the sign and right. then for the rest of the for, for the rest of both of your lives khalas, both of you know that this is Syria yeah yeah
1: so that was a tangent I did by uh, yeah. intentionally let's go back to uh, the education and accessibility for the deaf community
2: so in uh, Lebanon um, uh, schools like regular schools that are not you know focused on people with disabilities um I I never heard of of any school actually that teaches sign language just because um, there are certain schools just for deaf people um, so it's it's like I can see that there's a there's segregation so deaf people on their own hearing people on their own uh, some schools try to be inclusive but I you know. I don't think that we reached a point where, you know, we see sign language as something that is beautiful, that is just like any other language. We see it as just a way to communicate with the deaf. Um, And I think this is why um, we don't see sign language spreading. For me, sign language is not just to communicate with the deaf. Uh, Sign language for me is is a way to understand uh, my thoughts, uh, my body, my feelings, and also to express myself artistically. And I can imagine, I have one uh, student, uh, she's a theatre practitioner, and she was telling me she, she would love to use sign language in her theatre practice. Um, because it's, it's, it's a way of expressing yourself.
1: I don't remember if it's you that told me or Wissam Kamal told me, who is going to be sitting here next week. He's a stand-up comedian who dreamt about doing his entire act through sign language. I can't remember if it's you or him that shared this story to me, which that would be an incredible thing to do. I've never seen anything like that. So you remind me if that was you.
2: I don't remember because I uh, I know uh, Wissam, uh, and we both uh, spoke about this a lot. Uh, that he is uh, preparing the stand-up comedy show uh, fully in uh, sign language, and he wants to invite deaf people uh, just to watch, like like a full show, just in sign language. I think I told I think him.
1: I- I told them it would be great if they don't laugh. Then I mean, it means <laughs> you need to fix your material. <laughs> it's a testing audience. <laughs> you have to go back to the clubs. <laughs> it's not about the hearing issue. <laughs> um,
2: I, 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 for me, you know, Wissam is is doing uh, a great uh, step, which is. Um, using sign language in his own career. Um, And I think that once he starts using sign language, he will will find a different form of comedy that is based on the body, on the hands, on facial expressions. Uh, And I think he will be surprised with himself as well.
1: He'll be sitting here next week so that it's something yeah. I'm going to bring up with him as well um, i I want to ask you about different types of sign language. I did some re- basic basic research and it's actually nice because this ties into when we first met. I saw that online there are different methods or there's different uh, sign languages. There's the American standard one there's British I think there's a French version too. And I did not find a Lebanese-specific version. It felt like Lebanon uses multiple versions at once. So just to understand that better, is that a correct uh, sort of, is that a correct understanding that Lebanon is the way that people speak? In other words, multiple languages together in sign language too?
2: Yes. So in Lebanon, approximately we have six, I've heard maybe seven different uh, sign languages. But I wouldn't say that they are fully different languages. Uh, I think it's it's more like accents. Um, So uh, just like we see people who live in Beirut versus pe- uh, people who live in Trablus or Balbak, they have a different uh, way of pronouncing words. So in, in uh, Lebanese uh, sign language, you, you will find that uh, there are a lot of words or signs in common. And there are, there are signs that are a little bit different. Uh, but you know, thanks to our uh, government, we don't have one um, unified uh, language like sign language
1: so it's accents in other words would it be easy for somebody who's trained in the american version to speak to somebody or to sign to somebody who's trained in the french version is there a lot of overlap i would love it if you're actually telling everyone this guy makes no sense (laughs) he asks me questions that are not meaningful i have to use the bathroom no
2: i i i promise because i'm an interpreter i i really like to deliver the idea fully um,
3: so i would have more respect this. for you if that but was later was. on i would
2: i would tell them a few secrets
3: <laughs> Sure. Yeah.
1: should i tell i'll show them what you told me before we started
2: i taught him a bad word <laughs> the,
1: <laughs> the, the first thing she taught me was a bad word <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry i have this bad habit sorry <laughs> people always ask me about you know bad words i don't know why but i'd, I'd love to teach like you know I, teaching is is
1: so teaching let me give you an example actually because i did this to naila uh after first meeting her at at Calais cafe a circle of staff and she was instructing uh when i was a kid i think one sign language interpreter Uh, came to a course I was taking at school a communications course but I mean a class for children's level and they taught us some basics and that included what I thought was I love you and I hate you I remember I love you being this and I think that is correct across languages across sign languages but I thought the way I remembered it this is I hate you and Naila told me that that may not be right in the version she uh, uses. So, if you could remind me, what you what that I think was the issue at hand—that these are different accents. Uh,
2: so I don't know who taught you, like here in Lebanon. No, no, right?
1: this was uh, this no? was in the U.S., but this is maybe ah, okay. thirty-five so, years ago. I mean, it's a long time ago.
2: Okay, so each country they have their own sign language. Uh, Internationally, this is I love you. Uh, I don't know how to explain it to people who are hearing and not seeing. Um, But anyway, uh, the the sign you did, this is the letter Y in um, a a British and American uh, alphabet. So this is the the letters, this is Y. So in Lebanon, if I want to say uh, to a person that I hate them, I'd start with my hand, uh, of course, facial expressions all the time. The, this person really needs to know that you hate them. Uh, and you start with the hand closed and then you'd look at the person. Who do I look at? This is hard. So, okay, Francis. I'll look at Francis. So I would look at Frances and close my hand and say, I hate you. And open my hand as if I'm throwing something at her. I hate you. I don't, I love you. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> so there's no shortcut to "I hate you" in in a way that's. Uh, I, uh, I don't know why that's. Not stuck that me. I know of. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. M- maybe during the break, I will ask the deaf people okay. if they know a sign. Yeah. There. The, yeah. You, we can see them using the same. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: The same sign. Right. so Okay. Not nice. But
1: that is the universal "I love you."
2: Yes, internationally, this is "I love you." Right. But like an an abbreviation of "I hate you," no. I don't think there
1: is. You know what? Let's look it up during the break because that would be interesting. It stuck in my mind. And I remember it being... You know, it could be bad memory, but it did stick in my mind that there was... Naturally, this is I love you because of the I and L. But that, you're right. If that's why, it would make no sense. But we'll look it up. Uh, But... I also remember that lip reading was part of the story that the deaf community is almost i don't want to say it's required but that there is an a necessity to a degree for those that cannot use sign language to lip read does that become part of the story too are you in a way are you is that part of the interpret interpretation that you have to learn how to lip read better
2: um so Basically, deaf people, um, especially in Lebanon, but I think around the world, uh, they use uh, their hands, the facial expressions, but also they lip read. Because there are many signs that are, you know, like you use the same sign for different words uh, that have a very similar meaning. Um, So if you are a person who doesn't know uh, sign language, it is very important that you um articulate. So, because deaf people read your lips uh and they see your face. So if you are trying to, to say, for example, uh thank you, but you are so like you're nervous and you're confused, and your face is communicating all of this, and you're like, thank you, they would they would see, you know, like a, it's like what what are you trying to do? Right. Like, are you are you thanking me or are you? what's happening so there has to be an like an alignment between your face between what your lips are saying and between your hands right and for me as an interpreter i i always need to um say the words that i'm signing uh, because this is how uh, deaf people understand
1: this is a very personal story Uh, i would never bring this up in any other episode because it's it's a memory that i really i i look back on fondly my first encounter with a deaf uh, person was at a video store and this is dating me now it's when you used to rent video cassettes so you actually had to go to a video store this is pre nabilnet days where we all burn dvds this is the old vcr we know that yeah we're old enough to know that and the the lady that i would rent videos from was lip reading without me realizing it. And she would actually, she would speak sometimes, but her voice was not always at the right tone. It was oftentimes the words were muffled and it it didn't occur to me right away that she was deaf. But she was very comfortable and almost confident in herself and what she was doing that it actually took me time to realize she was deaf. And that to me set a it set a standard that this is not a disability. It's actually somebody communicating just fine. And that she was carefully able to lip read movie names and titles. And it was for me it was very impressive. That's my first encounter. So I noticed the lip reading value and also that in a way it's unexpected, but that yeah, there are many people among us that are deaf. We just don't know it right away.
2: Uh, yes, I I think and and this is why uh, when I want to uh, communicate with my uh, siblings uh, and I don't want mom and dad to understand, I turn my face because they can read my lips, or or I just put my hand uh, in front of my mouth so that my parents cannot uh, read my lips. But but yes, <laughs> deaf people are so good at reading lips, but also. You know, reading bodies and uh, and facial expressions, it's it's very hard to hide feelings from deaf people because they can they can catch you if you're if you're lying they can catch you, if you're sad they can catch you, if your eyes are uh, like hiding uh, frustration or anger they can catch you.
1: So Seems they like can read all...
2: lips and bodies and feelings and.
1: It sounds like you were in yeah, trouble yeah. a lot as a kid.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i i was i was a, a troublemaker yeah
1: <laughs> I, I can tell the other way around i can tell she's a troublemaker because she's like me i met her with a helmet for her vespa i do the same thing mine is parked right here so i could realize right away she's a troublemaker too in a good way in a good way only and yeah. she's smarter than me she <laughs> wears a helmet i don't
2: Well, I sometimes don't wear my helmet. Sorry, mama, baba, sorry. (laughs) I cannot (laughs) lie.
1: (laughs) Let me get into the, in a way, the expressiveness of sign language and the dependency on, in a way, it's a visually dependent form of communication. And that, what you just already said, which is deaf people can tell. So there's almost like a sensitivity, if you will, to physical gesture. So it's a strange question but is that why sign language is so expressive that it's almost it for somebody who's hearing it feels like it's overdone sometimes but is that just a natural component to it that it's substituting and therefore more sensitive on physical movement
2: um so so imagine Uh, if everybody who speaks um, with their own voice, they all had uh, the same voice, the same tone whole time, just like uh, Siri, you know, monotone. The the voice does not fluctuate. I think the world would be so boring. Um, So the same way in sign language, uh, the facial expressions, uh, the speed of moving the hands or the body, uh, if you're upright or if you're a bit like you have your shoulders down, all of this is like uh, the coloring of the voice, uh, but in like f- for like a, like a, it's like a visual coloring of the feelings of uh, how serious this person is or uh, how uh, fun they're trying to be. If they're asking a question, you would see their eyebrows like raised. Uh if, you know, all of this is expressed with the facial expression. So I, I would understand that hearing people uh would look at deaf people and think, this is very like caricaturish. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh like do, do I do I need to uh be this expressive to be able to communicate with deaf people? I would say um this is something that you learn with time, mm. uh, you know, feeling like it's, it's okay to just move your face and your hands in a way that, you know, matches your own feelings. Um, but in general, yes, deaf people use everything they have to express their own ideas.
1: So you just offered the example, which is imagine people talking at the same tone always like Siri. That would, be, that would be insane to imagine. In terms of tone and sign language, is there an easy way to just amplify what you're signing? For example, you said nervous is literally just hands shaking. How would you say, how would you sign that I'm very nervous? Would it be just a wider use of it or is there certain other signs you have to add?
2: So um, there are two ways. I can say I am very nervous, and this is more like a formal. You know, I am very nervous, but like the the majority of deaf people would would actually do what you did, which is basically, you know, like they would they would almost shake their whole body. Like I'm so nervous, uh, and their hands would be like trembling even more expressively. So yes, if you want to exaggerate, you would you would use the same sign. And just make it bigger. As if as if in your voice you are extending. Like I'm so nervous. Right. So like I, I would say nervous, the word, and I would extend my 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 voice inside it. I'm so nervous. Or my voice would shake, maybe. So the same way you
1: would and you would modify. Is, the sign. Can you do very again? Okay, so very I see. Yes. Okay. So that's when it's not necessary to overdo it. You could just lean on that as an adjective or it's like a, to add the word right
2: very yeah you you can add very uh yeah. like anywhere you want but what's more expressive uh is basically to use the same sign in a more expressive way so exaggerate if you're adding and you know make it more minimal uh for example like with the i love you, you right like, not, i love you you just yeah. sh- sh- like really smudge it in the person's face or you would be like, okay, I love That's you.
1: It's a b- very toxic form of yeah. love. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to actually ask you to do another example. I enjoyed the nervousness activity. If you could do more of that, I'd, I'd appreciate it.
2: Okay. Um, so again, everybody who's hearing, please do this exercise. Deaf people, please do not tell them what's the sign. Thank you. Uh, do you have a word in mind that you would like to uh, explore?
1: I'm trying to think of something that um, no actually maybe the word that surprises a hearing mm. person that comes naturally to a deaf person. I think that would be interesting.
2: So you want a word that deaf people would know how to sign but hearing people would feel like
1: that's unusual.
2: Oh, I w- because
1: mm. ner- nervous comes naturally yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah true true huh. the, the
1: example of lebanon was interesting
2: yeah yeah maybe, okay yeah okay so i have a word that's like in between yeah. i don't want to make it so uh difficult uh so so hearing people please uh close your eyes okay and uh try to sign the word red Okay, so I see. Okay, you can open your eyes. Do it again so that everybody can can see what you did. So I see somebody is uh, doing the sign of a sandwich. I don't know why it, it's a, it's it's a red sandwich, but <laughs> uh, somebody drew a, like uh, did a heart shape. Um, so actually, the sign for red is is this. It's just oh, your your yeah. um, index finger. Uh, rubbing against your lips, so this is red.
1: That's interesting.
2: So, oh, oh you you heard bread? Ah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm not articulating. You should have seen me sign. <laughs>
1: so hold on. What is the sign for bread?
2: Bread is like this, as if you're tearing the pieces okay. of bread. Yeah. Uh, so and and it's different if it's like khubz فرنجي. So baguette would right. be like you know baguette, but then khubz arabe uh, so it would so you would your hands would do the shape of khubz al-arabi and then you would just tear it
1: because but that's I would never think that was red.
2: Yeah So because yeah. red because of like the uh, lips. lipstick the the color of the lips
1: yeah um, Are there other examples like that that's really interesting. yeah other I, examples. Gu- I guess colors are the ones that are difficult um,
2: So some colors are pretty intuitive. other colors like for example blue like i never understood why the sign for blue is like this cuz you're
1: blowing from the mouth right like a uh, bl- blow like blow a blow
2: and blue N- Look, i don't know i i really like for me it's, it's like yeah. i i don't know why blue is like this
1: it's not like a balloon blow
2: uh it sounds like a balloon yeah maybe maybe
1: i mean that's a very uh, maybe I don't I'm know. way off I'm, actually
2: i don't know i'm i'm waiting for the day when i uh you know like receive the story of why the sign for blue is like this, I don't know
1: I'll ask you another one, maybe a, yeah. yeah
2: another word ah okay, so I give another word yeah. um okay this is a this is a fun fun one uh okay how how would you sign dog you know it <laughs> So, yeah, if, if you couldn't actually uh, bark, how would you use your hands to, to do the sign for a dog? Okay. So, I, I see a lot of people actually using their, their hand to kind of imitate the, the barking movement, and somebody just did the ears. Uh-huh. So, it's a combination of both. Well, you guys are a very smart uh, group of people. Uh, it's actually, this is the sign. That's
3: what I thought, yeah. Where
2: I'm using two fingers to do the ears. Yeah and the rest of the fingers to imitate the mouth and to actually do the sign i i need to actually bark with my hand not necessarily with my voice but right so that's the sign for dog so something like this it's not it's not completely intuitive for hearing people but the minute they see it visually it's very hard to forget because you know it looks like a dog
1: Taking it back to what you did before we met tonight, I actually came to Alia's and Naila was teaching sign language to the staff here. So this is in a way two lessons in one tonight. What are the basics you're teaching to staff? What are the types of, is, is it service related words? Is it to simplify and order? And, and sorry to ask this, is it basics like water, coffee? Uh, chicken, beef, I mean, just to get an understanding of what you're what you're teaching and since since you chose cafes in particular
2: um, so uh, in my class, um, I teach um, you know level one, so it's the basis of communicating in sign language. So I would teach chicken meat. Uh, coffee or coffee and, uh, you know, water and, and everything else. But I also teach, um, you know, the, the the basics of communication. Because for me, it's not only about, you know, um, a deaf person walks in, they order coffee and then they leave. You know, maybe these two people would like to be friends. Maybe they would like to communicate. um and I don't see employees as just, uh, you know, uh, service givers. They are humans. And deaf people are human, are humans. So maybe these two people would like to meet. Maybe they would be friends. So I would teach everything, like level one, the basics of communication.
1: And, uh, sorry to ask, what, what are the basics, the way you teach it? Is it person-to-person basic sentences, like... Thank you or goodbye. I mean, I'm just sorry. It's a very silly question. But what are you able to teach to somebody who's not naturally inclined to sign language?
2: So I'm going to tell you a story uh, that summarizes what I teach. Um, Today, I got a text message uh, on my phone from one of my students. Uh, He was telling me that he at university... um, He always saw a person who was uh, holding a a card that has on it the illustrations of uh, the the alphabet in sign language. And this person would approach people and say, I am deaf, Uh, would you like to buy these things so that we can uh, support deaf people to buy uh, hearing aids? And, and this was the first time uh, my student, you know, he decided, I'm gonna go and, and try to talk to this person to see if he's lying or not, or he's really deaf. Uh, and what he told me is that um, he started communicating in sign language uh, and he understood his name uh, and that he's been doing this for 20 years Oh. This, this uh, deaf person, and that this was the first time he saw or met a hearing person using sign language. 20 years he has been holding this card and giving it to people, trying to communicate with them. And this was the, the first time he met uh, a hearing person who used sign language. And, and actually he told him about uh, the class, about what he learned... And they exchanged a lot of information. And he even understood that from, from this person that, that uh, you know, this deaf person uh, knows different uh, sign languages from Lebanon and that he wants to travel. He doesn't, um, you know, like this country. Uh, it was a full conversation. Um, so I, I I teach words, like how you say them. But I also teach um, sign language grammar, okay. which is basically very different from spoken or written language.
1: Mm. So it's really just, by, by grammar you mean just how to put a sentence together in sign language?
2: Yes, so how to, how to make a sentence in sign language. And the beautiful thing is that it's so flexible. Mm. Like I can say, uh, women want eat. Or uh, woman eat want, and the same sentences, the same sentence. How I say it uh, is ve- is very simple. Uh, how I you know like flip the signs is pretty flexible.
1: Well, that's interesting. So sign language it would mean the same thing, or at least it would be understood the same way.
2: Yeah. Because, yeah. because you know, in spoken uh, language, you need to, masalan, um, use uh, subject, verb, object, or like there's a structure to spoken yeah. language. There's a lot of beauty in it because you know, like you can write poetry, but in sign language, it's so flexible um, that you know you can you can switch words, you can repeat words or signs. It's it's so flexible. It's like painting, versus. Yeah. Uh, writing poetry. They're both a form of art, mm. but one of them is much more visual and the other is something you read.
1: I appreciate that analogy. And even poetry and standard language, there's flexibility in there too. So I like—I really like that analogy. Yeah. Uh, just one more question before we take a break. Uh, actually, sorry, two more questions, but I'll make them brief. Uh, before we sat tonight, we talked about the examples of day-to-day coping from the deaf community that are quite—they can be funny at times, almost comedic. Uh, so, what are those types of day-to-day coping examples that uh, that come to you?
2: Um, so, there are there are things that deaf people do, but also there are uh, things that hearing people who live with deaf people do <laughs> to, you know, to, to live comfortably. Um, we don't have
1: to make it too personal, but that's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to share stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so deaf people. Um, we can you close know, our ears. obviously, yeah. We we can close our ears uh, if there's a very loud, uh, you know, noise. Mm-hmm. Deaf people cannot um, like if they have like full, um, um, you know, like hearing impairment. Um, they would need a different way to be alerted. If mm. there is uh, something like uh, like a fire alarm or um, like a doorbell uh, that's ringing, so they would uh, use uh, lights. So in my house, my parents' house, uh, if somebody rings the the doorbell, uh, like all of the lights in our house, they they would just like disco. There's a party, you know, because the lights just go on and off. Uh, and Baba please like salihla, no manzua, like okay. Message received. <laughs> He's saying we'll go dancing <laughs> at home. Um so this is one way. Uh, so you would see uh, like visual cues um instead of auditory. Um for me to to cope with living with deaf people, uh You know, like, everybody would think that maybe uh, deaf people are very uh, quiet. They're very loud. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, my mom is nodding. Yeah, yeah, you know. (laughs) Um, So if I want to, for example, like, take a nap in in the middle of the day uh, and my parents are awake, uh, I know,
3: like,
2: I would literally, like, I would choose like what time i would sleep be, like because if my uh parents have their uh friends over you know they they would be laughing so loudly that i can understand what they're saying uh you know like wow. f- from a different room um so there's this uh idea of uh you would see uh sounds differently yeah uh, y- you would um you would appreciate um, the importance of hearing, s- sensing vibrations. So, um, so if, if for deaf people, if you if you want to call their name, so if I want to say Mama, no, and she's sitting very far away from me, she, I have several options. Yeah. I can turn the lights on and off, so she would uh, turn towards the light switch. I can uh, wave my hands and pray that you know she would uh, just notice me or uh i can throw something at her like
1: You're, i mean yeah i, I don't, I don't
2: usually do it but like this is more sometimes. Just anger than <laughs> just if i'm angry yes it could be like a pillow like something <laughs> right. soft and Good. nice yeah. and
1: mama <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Habibi>. <laughs> huh.
1: so, so yeah. in a way it's your oh sorry please no
2: so, uh, i i i want to tell you a story yeah, of yeah. actually like when when things are much more critical so when we were really young and I remember this I remember this story I think it's maybe my uh my aunt uh used to do this when 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 uh, her her kids were so young so she's deaf and uh, she had babies obviously
1: so, Sorry your aunt is deaf? Yes. Oh.
2: Yes. So okay. my my mom and uh, a few of her sisters ah, okay. uh okay are are deaf but I other see. other sisters are not deaf. Okay. Um so, so if, if a mother is deaf and her baby is, is crying, how would she wake up if she's sleeping? Um, so one, one, one way was uh, when the baby is too young to communicate or to reach out, she would uh, tie um, like, a, like a rope from, the, from her hand to the baby's. Because like when, when babies cry, they naturally fidget and move their hands. And this is how she would be waking up. Uh, at night but you know like it's very annoying to sleep with your hand tied to another creature so the minute this child is able to move a little bit so which is what my mom did uh, I think we were like four months old something like that we were so young like I don't understand that I was able to do this at like when I was that young Uh, she would she would Say, no, I'm I'm deaf. Like, if you want something, uh, you know, pull the blanket or uh, poke me. And and I swear, we did that. We were like yeah. four months old. Like, the next night, we understood I'm crying. My mom is not uh, responding. So I would just pull the blanket.
1: That actually lends itself well to the last question I wanted to ask you. And it's something that I'm going to maybe... Ask it, and you can be as personal as you'd like about this. I can imagine when you're growing up and your parents are deaf, that kids, because they want to fit in, this becomes, in a way, a perceived disadvantage for you. It can almost be, and I'm sorry to use this word, as a child, it can be embarrassing. And then you grow up and you realize you have two lovely parents and now you do this for a living, and I'm sure they're proud of you, and you're proud of them too. But that comes through time. Is there a moment for you where you made that switch, where you realized that, no, I don't have anything to be either uh, embarrassed about or, sorry to use the word, ashamed of, this is actually a strength. So do you remember a moment where you embraced this as something positive?
2: Um. So I don't mind uh sharing, you know, like a personal story. I when when I was young um so I grew up seeing my both of my parents um trying to communicate with the world and and seeing that you know when if if right now you are trying to talk to me and I am ignoring you or I am not able to understand what you are saying, you would feel angry, you would feel frustrated. And so I grew up with a feeling of anger and frustration, like surrounding uh, my, my parents and their friends. Um, so, and that was not easy, you know, growing up and feeling like I have a responsibility of interpreting all the time. Like I would sit and watch the, the news at night uh, just to interpret what's happening in this country. Uh, and I cannot watch like cartoon or something else. Um, so I had a lot of uh, like really negative uh, feelings. I had a, a little bit of shame, uh, like uh, of shyness. Mm. I felt a little bit nervous when we would go out because I never knew when, uh, you know, like like uh, like a fight or any issue would start because of this inability to communicate. Uh, and And people like they get angry so quickly, um so I would find myself in the middle, uh, mm. like trying to mediate, you know, like so so like I would say to this hearing person, you know, please my my like this person is deaf, you you just can you just calm down a little bit, I will interpret, and then I would turn to the deaf person, I would say, like, just calm down, let me interpret what you are trying to say." Um, so it was very difficult. So I used to see my role as an interpreter as a burden. It took me time. And I remember this one, one, one moment when I was in my uh, bedroom, and I was singing in front of the uh, mirror. Uh, you know, with the hairbrush and like singing <laughs> and dancing. And you were dancing. happy no one could hear you. <laughs> I was happy. Yes, of course. Of course. I was happy nobody can uh, can hear me. Uh, and my mom just opens the door. Uh, she usually, she just has requests like come wash dishes, uh, clothes, whatever. Uh, but instead of asking me something, she just stood there. It was the first time she looked at me differently uh, and she asked me um if I have a beautiful voice. Wow. And that moment I felt like I saw the world uh differently. That you know, um th- this question maybe my mom would have like kept inside her from the minute she gave birth to me and, and I cried in front of her. Um so I felt if I can, um, you know, like be this link between my mom and the world, um, that it would, it would impact her positively, for sure. And it took me time. It took me time to be friends with this idea of I am, in, I am not completely uh, part of the deaf world and I'm not completely part of the hearing world. I am somewhere in between. And this in between is um, is a responsibility. It's a burden sometimes, but mostly it's, it's a gift. And it took me time to accept this gift uh, and to claim this role that I have. So, yeah.
1: There's no better way to wrap up this discussion. Um, I'm going to go as far as I can in terms of comparison. I think it's individuals that are out of place they become the best interpreters they become natural mediators and they also become and and i will say this with full confidence storytellers you're telling a whole community's story and you're telling that community our story you do it quite well you know when it comes to a different form of language the written word Uh, I'm not saying that you're the same in in any other way except this. Uh, If you know Edward Said, and I think you do, uh, he always felt out of place at home and abroad. All his writing was about discomfort, but trying to be a link among many different threads. And I think that's the moment you can shine as a gifted storyteller. You're incredible, Na'ila. Thank you. Stay a bit uncomfortable because it's it's really working right. And uh, we're gonna take a 10-minute break. You can order whatever you'd like in the meantime, but stick around. There's a QA, there's a question and answer, and I'd like to ask the audience some questions as well. And Neila can be the interpreter. So thanks to everyone. Thank you. Can you please let the audience know, Na'ila, that Samer's voice is seductive, (laughs) and... Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Who's, which ones, who's, who's your mom and dad? Uh, Okay. All right. Well. Are you looking for a husband? (laughs) <laughs> for a certain fee we can uh, make that happen tonight <laughs> no no then you the, then you have to pay me not to <laughs> see
4: this? lower the temperature lower the temperature
1: <laughs> lower expectations <laughs> Sorry. yeah sure thank you thank you so because it's a special night with a special audience and a terrific guest i'd like to make this q a as engaging and fun and rewarding as possible um i am going to take advantage and ask the audience a few questions na'ila, na'ila will interpret but uh, we have a ge- we have a question up front from the lovely guests seated here so we'll start with you And if you could just introduce yourself, who you are and why you're here. Uh, It's just her, yeah.
4: Hi, I'm... uh, can you hear me? No, Uh, can you... one, uh, One moment. Okay, testing. One, two, three. Uh, Frances Ebrizade, and I'm uh, the chief of party for the USAID Lebanon Civic Action Accelerator Program. And uh, full disclosure, we work closely with Naila, Mm. and she uh, supports us in communicating Uh, with the deaf community, and ensuring inclusion and accessibility uh, of our work uh, with people with disabilities. Um, This podcast is very timely. Sunday is International Day of Persons with Disabilities, and it's an opportunity also globally and in Lebanon to advance the rights of persons with disabilities. And one of the debates that I have with Naila is where is the deaf community? In advocating for your rights, with whether it's the government of Lebanon, universities, schools, private sectors, to be full participants in this society, and using things like the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, as well as Law 220-2000. Sorry to... You know, use all of these uh, details. But the point is, there is some type of legal framework that provides an opportunity to advance the rights of the deaf community. So the challenge with Naila and Mira, come in, nice to meet you, Mira, is how do we ensure the rights of people? from the deaf community to exercise their rights to education, to employment, to healthcare, care and, and other parts of uh, society. And, and what can we do to mobilize young people? Yes, there are organizations and people with disabilities, but there are people who are not involved. So how do we uh, do this better and support a new generation of young people from the deaf community to claim and advocate for their rights. Thank you.
2: Um, in, in my opinion, um, the first thing that um, you know, hearing people can do is to be curious uh, about sign language Uh, the deaf culture. Um, This way, when people start learning sign language, uh, they become like advocates for the rights of people uh, who are deaf because they start understanding the beauty of this community uh, and their language. Um, That's the first thing that each one of us can do. Um, you know, to, to to approach deaf people and their uh, language with a, a little bit of curiosity instead of how can I help you. Um, so, in terms of organizations, um, I'm fully aware that um, in Lebanon there's a, there's a lot of um, issues related to organizations and how organizations, you know, like the work together or against each other and how all of this dynamic impacts negatively uh, deaf people because this organization says, I'm the best. This organization says, I'm the best. And we reach a point where, you know, deaf people are like, please, can somebody, um, somebody just help us? or, like, connect us, or, um, so this is, like, I would say this is a call for organizations who work, uh, for the rights of, um, deaf people or any other disability, um, it doesn't matter who starts a, a program or a project, um, the impact it comes back to you. So, for example, when I uh, started teaching sign language, I never imagined uh, that I would be receiving messages uh, that would make, make me cry of joy. Um, I was just doing it because I was enjoying it. Um, and the stories I hear about, you know, deaf uh, people interacting with hearing people, And the the beauty that comes out of these stories, it just impacts me positively the same way it impacts these two people who who met. And so maybe I hope, Francis, I I really hope that these organizations would start seeing uh, their own work, not as I have a checklist uh, and if I do it first, then I win, uh, but rather, any step that I do, even if, if, even if it's in collaboration with another organization, would, would get me more funds, would get me more uh, exposure. Uh, so more future thinking and ambition instead of uh, selfishness and hiding to yourself. You know, information is everywhere. And plans are everywhere. Everybody can find, can do. But these collaborations, um, when there's an opportunity and you seize it, this is when the impact is like more than you can imagine.
1: I want to take advantage and ask another question myself, which is something I forgot to ask during the uh, discussion. Uh, And I'll make this personal. As a child, this very young boy in the U.S. growing up, Uh, I remember seeing two things. Uh, Public television would always have an interpreter for things that were very basic. It could be something like a city hall discussion, but there would be someone interpreting on the side. And even at times, news bulletins, there would be an interpreter on television. And that was, I think, at some point required for public access in the U.S. So that's one thing. The other thing is braille that I would see taking the metro, taking the subway. You could actually, literally, blind or not, you would be able to physically interact with braille communication on the stops, the following stops on a metro. So these two things you grow up with, and they become normalized quickly. You don't think of it as odd. In this country, in your experience, do you find that there's a stigma to the deaf community or for anyone with disability in that sense? Do you experience it yourself when you're doing this? Is it is it in any way discriminatory? Do you find yourself trying to normalize it almost when you're when you're teaching?
2: Uh I think you, you're right. Like if you grow up uh seeing something all the time, you would uh see it as normal. Uh in Lebanon, um I I you know a lot of the times I see people uh looking at somebody who's signing with like their eyes would be open. Wow, what is this? It's so beautiful to look at. Um Because it's maybe it's the first time for many of you um, seeing somebody speaking in sign language. So yes, there's this element of this is new. It's the first time I see somebody signing or it's the first time I see a deaf person. I I hear how a deaf person's Mm. voice sounds like. And I grew up seeing this element of, wow, this is strange. For me, this was the normal thing. That hearing people would look at the deaf people as something different, as something foreign. Wow, a deaf person. Wow, I, I, I see them signing. Wow. So I grew up with hearing people's eyes on me and my family. Um,
1: That's a sign language accident you just did. Hearing what, people's eyes on me.
2: Hearing people's eyes on...
1: Because you don't I, hear eyes, you see eyes.
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> play on words.
1: <laughs> That's too many languages at once. Yeah, yeah,
2: and and like my my interpreting brain is like fried, fried. right <laughs> now. I'm like, how can I get this message yeah. across?
1: <laughs> I saw yeah. what you said too.
2: Yeah, you you saw what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so f- um, in Lebanon, the normal thing is deaf people are strange. Sign language is strange. And I hope that we'll get to a point where uh, sign language can be inside every school, university, uh, just as an, as an option for somebody who would like to learn more. Um, and, and in some places, something mandatory, because it's important for deaf people, but it's also important for hearing people. Um, You know, I'm just going to add one idea. I think now, in the times that we're living in, um, using your brain is not enough. Uh, We are moving towards a world where feelings are as important as thoughts. And imagination and art is as important as, uh, you know, science and math and logic um, so I see sign language as a portal um, for learning about ourselves and the, and the community, not just as a, you know, like a connection between deaf people and hearing people. I really see the value of it as a language. Like I learned so much, I cannot count the number of things that I learned because of sign language or I think that who I am as a person and how my brain works is really like heavily impacted by sign language. So,
1: yeah. Any other questions, Mr. Samir Beha? All
0: right. Um, I just want to second what you were talking about earlier regarding um, uh, the problem with NGOs and organizations and how they fight against each other rather than uh, um, progress on the things they're supposed to be working on. I've seen that across the board because I've been an activist for a very long time, back from the 90s. And I've seen it with environmental NGOs and and so on. Um, I think the problem is that they're all competing for the same small pool of funding, which is why uh, they end up, you know being at odds with each other, which leads me to a question that I wanted to ask. Uh, You and I have worked before with the CLS on uh, inclusive design uh, campaigns and uh, awareness of that. Uh, What, in your opinion, is the biggest impediment towards businesses and other organizations implementing inclusivity in their uh, daily life or doings?
2: I think that, um, you know, like uh, companies and and like uh, non-governmental institutions think that uh, working on accessibility and inclusion is costly. Um, They see it as kind of like a burden that they can do without because they don't understand that When a company or any person works on inclusion, they are not only, um, you know, like helping uh, people with disability to basically, you know, get access to this job or information. um, That they are actually making their own information, their own products, everything that they do. They're they're making it um, accessible for everyone. So if I am trying to tell you guys a story, and I use words that are very difficult, you know, like you would you would need to open uh, like a book and try to find what's the meaning of this word, then I am not making my story accessible to all of you. It would only be accessible to those who have learned English for years and they know that this word, this very fancy, difficult word, what it means. So I think that, you know, companies are not accessing uh, talents, ideas, um, ways that make their own life and work easier and much more accessible and profitable. Because um the, the community of people with disabilities they they, they have uh, the financial capacity to buy uh they have ideas they have um they're, they're a rich population that if you if you make your own work accessible for them you're automatically making your work um faster much more productive, innovative, and accessible for for people who will eventually become disabled because of their age. Like, we're all going to grow older and maybe, um, you know, lose our ability to uh, see. Like, we would need eyeglasses or uh, hear. Um, Or maybe our brain would get so tired that we would need explanation you know more than once for a certain idea so if everybody works on inclusion we wouldn't feel like we are missing out on on life because we just grew older so yeah i I think these companies are missing out on a lot uh yeah i hope i answered this your question
1: are there other questions Anyone has any questions? Is that someone in the back? No? Is that? Is there somebody? No? Oh, she, <laughs> you? No, wait, let's go back the beginning and then we'll go forward. So the lady wearing the red sweater, is that right? Yes.
2: Uh, so she will be using sign language and I will be telling you guys uh, So, first of all, she's thanking you. Uh, So she's saying, basically, um, and um, uh, she's saying, first of all, Thank you for doing this. Uh, and she's saying that, you know, she would like to tell the world that, you know, deaf people, they put a lot of effort um, uh, trying to uh, basically communicate with their kids and trying to um, be this bridge between their kids and the world and the deaf world. So it's, it's, they're already putting a lot of effort and, uh, and a lot of work to do this. And so she wants the, the world to know that uh, it's not easy uh, doing this.
1: You know, this gives me permission to ask the audience a question, and I can ask it straight to your parents, if that's okay. So it's to your mom and, and dad. Uh, that, that kind of challenge, which she just mentioned, which is doing many things at once, which are not easy, proving that there's nothing wrong that these are your parents and they're strong they're also in a way having to raise you too and that challenge i think is enormous regardless of hearing or hearing impaired and then trying to make you feel at ease too so the complications of raising na'ila deaf parents na'ila speaks wonderfully she's a gifted speaker but i can imagine it being extra hard on you trying to overcome that kind of which is i think to a large degree maybe you share this i don't know there is still a stigma in this country on the most basic things including disabilities like being deaf so what is it like to raise na'ila
2: So I used to think uh so when she, when my mom married my dad um so my my kids were young I used to think about uh the future you know should I just leave them no i I want to take care of them, and I want to stress on th- them to go study n- n- um it's important for them to go uh, to study first and then go out. So I really worked hard on them to uh, work on themselves. So my uh, my eldest daughter, uh, when she was applying for the brevet, uh, when she when she succeeded in the brevet, we got her a phone as a like a gift. For Naïla, she said, "I want." She said, "I want a phone," but I said. When when you also succeed in brevet, we will give you a phone. So the next year she succeeded, and we gave her a phone. So for my younger younger son, he said, "I want a phone as well. I don't have a phone." I also said, "When you succeed in brevet, I would give you a phone." So now it's, it's so now it's like when I I tell you guys, when you succeed. And and now like they reached university level and they graduated. I'm so proud of them. And tell I her, thank God. I, the, I need a new phone. <laughs> 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 my dad's <is> saying tomorrow. <laughs>
1: tomorrow? Thank you. Yes, I'll be right here. <laughs> so it's so my
2: dad's saying, but
1: <laughs> i think i know exactly what you're saying yeah, yeah. that's amazing so he's saying
2: he's saying his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's saying it, what's what's beautiful is that he can see hearing people here who are putting effort and um you know, like, they're trying to talk about this ish- about, uh, you know, like, the deaf community, and this is beautiful for, for him to see this. But the issue is that um, there are basic things that are needed, like, for example, um, you know, having interpretation on TV, as you said. Yeah. Yeah and there has been so many efforts like to the government like applying and saying like please can we have interpretation can we have interpretation and it's like and, and this is what he he did exactly like they would take this file and they would say yeah and just slide it under uh under the, the the chair or whatever um and and he's saying that you know the deaf community is just so frustrated and emotionally drained having like having the need to fight for such a basic thing um When, like, on on the contrary, like, see that individuals are actually willing to make effort, but the
1: government are just not. This is a question to both parents and you as well. Is this entirely your journey or did your parents encourage you to do this?
2: So when we were young, uh, my mom is saying, we used to use sign language with, uh, and we were speaking sign language and our kids just observed and they learned. Um, And so they have a lot of ideas uh, around like sign language, but it's like Naila chose to go through this. And this is where I would add to my mom's uh, idea that um me working as an interpreter or teaching sign language is not an old thing. Like I started in 2017 or 18 maybe. Uh, so it's it's quite new mm. for me. Um and, I, and I, uh, I see that the, the, the demand for uh, interpretation and sign languages is increasing with time because organizations are obliged to work on inclusion and accessibility. Thank God, yani, money is coming in just for that. Um, so my, my parents, I think how they impacted my choice. Um,
1: and sorry, the reason I also asked this, because yeah. you mentioned earlier, your sister is an interpreter as well. So it's not just yourself doing this in the family.
2: So I started working as an interpreter, and then I noticed that there aren't many interpreters. There's just me, uh, maybe like six people, people maximum ten people in the whole country mm. that you know that have the ability to interpret and have the time or the skill or the skills. Because I see also like deaf people uh, tell me that. You know, this is a person who works as an interpreter, but we don't understand what, like, like the sign language is not clear. So there's there's a need for interpretation, but also there's a need for clear interpretation. Not everybody who knows the language can deliver an idea Mm. easily. And, Roni, the issue is that in Lebanon, there aren't any uh, classes or schools just for sign language interpretation. So this is something that I had to learn on my own with the support and the help of a lot of uh, deaf people. Like they literally, they. Uh, these people helped me uh, by telling me this word, say it differently. Like Noha is one of these people who like tells me, uh, so I saw your video, you said I don't know, you said this word like this. Uh, next time you do the sign, say it this way. So I'm getting coached by the deaf community as, I, as I'm working in this uh, field. So I, I feel supported by all of the deaf people.
1: I hope, really, you, don't, I I hope do. you don't mind me sharing this, but Naha is also your parents' teacher. So there's generations of teaching in this room tonight. Uh, I think that's incredible. And you have great guidance for that reason. You're able to easily sort of have that feedback and it's it's proving itself very effective. Uh, are there other questions?
2: So, so, so my dad is saying, how did Naila learn sign language? So we would have, there was a kind of like a deaf club and all of these deaf people would be just sitting and speaking in sign language and i would and he would see me like just uh, like observing with my eyes wide open and like oh. just kind of uh, soaking in all of the all of the signs
1: but i would guess you're good at teaching many things i think sign language is obviously what you're doing now but you're a good communicator so i think you could teach uh, many different subjects So I think there was a question up front from Um, my mother. Let's give her the mic. No, you didn't have a question? Yeah. Whatever you ask, you have to celebrate both of us. You can't be hard on me and, you know, (laughs) easy on. Go ahead.
3: You're an amazing woman. By the way, I'm really honored and I think I'm privileged to have met you and meet uh, your dear parents. You uh, should be proud of her. She's you raised beautiful kid. Um, I'm uh, I'm more than touched, really, to uh, to see how beautiful you are. You're you're great people. Um, I hope the best for uh, everyone. And uh, Ronnie, I cannot more than thank you for uh, bringing this lovely woman and share with us this lovely journey it's beautiful thank you so much thank you
1: thank, thank you thank you,
3: thank thank you. you for expressing uh, no really it's from the deep heart uh, it's uh i'm really really um uh, touched
1: was there somebody in the I, back oh. <laughs>
2: Thank you.
3: Wonderful.
2: Thank you for using uh, sign language <laughs> to express what? this. That's we we love you too. Thank. You. Oh, yeah. love. love. Yeah, yes. <laughs> this, uh,
1: yeah. You know, I have to say it though. When you're when everyone does that, I'm at a rock concert. I'm not. Yeah. I love you.
2: <laughs> so the difference, the difference, Ronnie, actually is if you. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah it's guns and roses it's not (laughs) um,
2: if you if you close your thumb yes then it's rock oh but if you open your thumb it's i love you and the reason is uh the the little pinky finger alone is the letter i
1: by the way thanks for saying that i checked during the break on the what i thought was i hate you it's the beginning of i hate you it's i and then h-a-t-e-y-o-u so it was the first letter I must I think my memory just failed me after the first letter. So yeah. Bad memory.
2: <laughs> no problem at all. Um I was at
1: too many guns and roses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
2: so so it's, it's what you said like the 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 sign for I love you is an abbreviation uh, of the first letters of the words. This is the letter I. This is the letter L. And this is the letter Y. So if you combine the letters that you use, it would be I, love, and then Y for you. Right. This is why. And and if you go to any country in the world and you uh, meet a deaf person and you do this, they would understand. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Are there more questions? No? Did you have uh, the lady in the back? Yes.
2: Caroline. So she said when she was young, she did not learn sign language. If you could, I need her to move closer because of the light. I cannot uh, read her lips. So she went to Iraq for a school. Uh, So she works at the learning center for the uh, with the learning center for the deaf uh, and with Iraq uh, as well. So she wants to say one thing. So she worked with the government uh, a lot, you know, for for many years, and it's been very hard. So she decided that she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to work with the government uh, to get to these goals. she wants to work with just regular people in her uh, daily life. Now she's sixty years old and now she feels uh, she feels proud uh, basically of everything she did. she you know she uh, handled her own responsibilities on her on her own and she did everything on her own. She's saying thank you for uh, she's thanking me for uh, doing this, and she wants to keep encouraging me because sign language is very important now and for the future uh for the whole community. It's needed in hospitals with lawyers uh, like we always need interpreters when I always go to the hospital on my own. I, I try to lip-read and I can, but not every, not all deaf people have this ability to lip-read. So, so I did not learn sign language, but I learned how to pronounce better. Not all deaf people have this ability. So she wants to say thank you for everybody, but she's saying that, uh, and she hopes that this is not the first and the only time that uh, something related to sign language and uh, the deaf community is done. She hopes that this is, Something that keeps going. Saying, she's saying that she knows you from before. You used to work at UNICEF. No, She, she you looks like somebody who used to work at UNICEF. She's saying thank you again.
1: Maybe I can ask her this question then. Uh, that, I think, is probably quite common, that you're forced to do lip reading, maybe more than you'd want to, And you're also forced to project that voice. So what is that, and and at least in this country, is that the standard way or is sign language instruction standard? Because I can imagine in Lebanon, things are broken in sign language instruction too. That a lot of people end up in, in her position by default.
2: she's saying um no but so it's it's just because she did not learn sign language before uh that she had to um read leap. so
3: uh,
2: Okay, so uh, in, in Iraq when, uh, when she was uh, learning there, uh, there was a lot of stress on lip reading um, as a ve- like an easy way to, to bridge the gap between uh, deaf people and, uh, and hearing people. Uh, but then they realized that because of, uh, because of grammar, uh, because right. sign language yeah. does not follow the grammar of yeah. spoken language, uh, they realize that it's going to be difficult for deaf people to lip read all the time alone, because there would be like grammatical elements that they would not understand. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, there's a there's a necessity for sign language. So, for example, for for a kid who's three years old or like younger, there is a there is a necessity for sign language for them to communicate their ideas yeah. and thoughts. Um, and then. Yeah, and but, but now, like, they grow up to go to universities and schools, and things are different. But and, uh, back when she, was, uh, when she was young, she just stopped at, uh, when she was 14, she stopped learning because there wasn't any schools that continued uh, the educational path for deaf right. people beyond that age. She's so saying that I, I struggled a lot in my life. I worked at Iraq and then I left... And then she worked at a restaurant and it was very difficult to communicate i would
1: i would guess her experience is probably more common than than we assume and that's just because many things are broken in this country and you're forced into that position i don't want to overstep with this question i'll ask it the best way i know how from what i've gathered about your own family is that there are many deaf relatives within your own family it's your parents and an aunt and it did i understand right A grandmother as well or a grandfather who was deaf so there's it's i don't know if it's hereditary or is it is it i guess is this passed on or is it something that happens at birth i mean what is the it's a very stupid question i know i should know this already but in your in your unique case there's a lot of uh, deaf relatives
2: so in, in, uh, in my family, uh, so my mom and dad were not, uh, are not deaf because of like hereditary, uh, reasons, uh, each one of them had, a had a certain medical, uh, uh, each one of them had a, like a different medical, uh, case, um, um, like f- fever, uh, ch- something like chickenpox, something like that. Mm. Um, but other uh, deaf people, like so, some deaf people have, like, were, are born deaf, so it's hereditary, but oh, other deaf people, maybe they have uh, some sort of an accident uh, growing up, or, like, I know somebody who, uh, like, pierced their own uh, uh, ear,
4: ear eardrum, eardrum when
2: yeah. they were cleaning their ears, so... There are different reasons why a person would uh, would become deaf. I see, and not everybody is because of hereditary. So these were
1: medical conditions that led to deafness, but then there is a hereditary version of deafness too. Did I get that right? That both both happen, and then hereditary can lead to yes, yeah, okay. Yes,
2: of course, you can be born deaf and then have your kids also deaf. Um, And Caroline is saying is because like. Um, And and in the past, it used to happen more frequently because uh, relatives would uh, marry each other, so you would see a lot of more uh, deaf people, right? uh, Because of like hereditary uh, reasons. And
1: just in general, what is the percentage of people that are deaf? Is it, I mean, less than one percent? Is there is there an estimate?
2: So I don't know of a certain uh, percentage, but I know that it's around 15,000 uh, people who are deaf in Lebanon. In Lebanon. That's, um, yeah, yeah, so I, as, I was about to say the same thing, uh, that there there are a lot of numbers that are hidden because not all uh, deaf people go to a school. Yeah. Uh, not uh, all families that have uh, a deaf son or daughter um, feel like... It's okay to bring them out to the world. Like a lot of uh, families um, might feel that they are a bit shy. They would hide the deaf person. And so this deaf person would not experience life. And so these numbers are hidden. I and I think it's definitely more than 15,000.
1: Mm, okay. Any other questions for Neila? Ah, uh, Yes.
2: So he's saying when he was uh, around one year old, um, uh, he ha- had a really high fever. So his uh, the the nerve that uh, oh, okay. the hearing nerve, I think I don't know what what it's called, uh, it was impacted because of uh, the fever. So this is, he's giving an example at of age a medical one,
1: at one year old.
2: He was like a year, maximum a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. And Caroline is the same. She was two years old. Yeah. Oh, two yeah and so so back then doctors uh you know there weren't uh, there wasn't a lot of access to uh really good doctors and they wouldn't know how to deal with this issue uh or have like good best uh, practices to uh resolve like a fever issue without impacting the hearing
1: right oh yes please
2: saying my mom uh she was pregnant everything was good When she gave birth, I I, I was good. I can hear, I can uh, cry for a few months. All was good. When I was four months old, I got a fever. Uh, There was a problem with the medication that uh, they gave her. So her fever actually increased. And then uh, she fell asleep. And she fell asleep for such a long time and she was not crying and everybody was like screaming and talking and yelling next to her, and she was she would sleep for long hours, and her uh, her mom and her grandma would would be so surprised, like there are so many loud voices. So her mom carried her, tried to clap and uh, make loud noises next to her ears. Yeah. And she noticed that she cannot hear, so they took her to the hospital, and then they realized that she became deaf. And so,
1: sorry, how old were you?
2: Uh, four months old
1: so four months four months yes Ah.
2: she 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 was able to hear but then because of the fever and wrong medication uh, she became deaf
1: if i can ask this in general is there anyone that became deaf later in life
2: So she's saying that she was born deaf already.
1: Okay, born deaf.
2: So, uh, okay, her husband, he, he's hearing. When he was 15, he lost his hearing ability. Is,
1: he's not here, right? He's not in the audience? Um, no, no. no. He's not
2: here. He's, he's, he is in Canada. Okay. Uh, but he's she's saying that when he was 15, he lost his ab- ability to hear. And they got married two years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's in Canada, he's not in Lebanon.
1: Two years and then he left.
2: He had an infection?
1: (laughs) No, Uh, I'm joking. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Can you tell her two years is that's the honeymoon period and then it's. I love you
2: too. I'm surprised she said I love you after what you said to her. I don't, I don't,
1: we'll go get him and bring him back. Don't worry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he does, So her husband doesn't speak sign language. Right. Um, he never... Uh, so he When he met her, he learned sign language. He started learning sign language because... Uh, he was used to um the, the, so he's deaf or not. He used to hear, he was hearing now he's deaf. So he was so used to like the hearing community, he was never part of the deaf community, and after he married her, he started learning sign language and being part of
1: uh, so actually, this is why I was
2: it was difficult for him because he did not learn sign language, yeah. When they started uh, when they got married, she taught him sign language uh it's like he he became insanely happy uh, he he really needed sign language yeah because in the future um Yeah so so like he's so he's he he can't really um hear and he did not feel like he need, need the sign language but he, but he was saying that in the future when I grow even older I was going to need sign language more and more Yeah uh, and so he was insanely happy when he learned sign language after they got married Now he's very happy with sign language because uh, because he can communicate with all the deaf people, he feels like right. now he's part of the community. So he was—he was so used to like being with hearing people. Uh, so now it's like there's a balance between both of these worlds.
1: But may I ask, is there anyone in the audience that remembers hearing?
2: Uh, that that remembers hearing? Yeah, so so they
1: lost their hearing later.
2: So my mom is saying that she was born and around two years, uh, when she was two years old, she lost her ability to hear. And she, she, was, uh, she was young, everybody would say that she was so smart and bright. Uh, and her mom was, uh, was always surprised at how smart she is. And her name is Zakia, which means smart in <laughs> Arabic. And she's saying that maybe this is uh, this is the reason. Uh, and she's saying her her kids are also smart. Thank you, Mama. Well, My of help.
1: course. Yes. <laughs> uh, sorry, the lady in the back. Uh, she yes.
2: Yes, Rania. So she wants to talk about a little bit of a different topic. Hmm. Two months ago, she went to the hospital. Um she had like blood tests to run. She saw a deaf person. She doesn't know them. They tried to communicate with the doc- doctor and they and they couldn't yeah. uh there was she saw that this person was so tired uh trying to communicate with uh, the doctor but he couldn't and uh, she w- she felt so sad. So um she was able to interfere and help, but uh, but but she felt like um, it was so frustrating for her to see like how sad the situation was that this person was unable to speak with a doctor, such a basic thing at a hospital. Yeah, it's so important to have uh, deaf people like, and sometimes deaf people's uh, kids who usually are their interpreters. Uh, are not with them so for example their dot their kids travel or maybe there's a deaf person on their own and then they fall and they break something and they need to communicate and how can they do that there has to be more interpreters wow. it's so important uh, in such situations and she's saying thank you well thanks you to welcome.
1: you thank you we have time for one more question the lady in the front
2: yes. I I
3: can't I can't hear uh... Yeah, I don't know how relevant my question is, uh, but how often do you use writing to communicate with people? Can you uh, can you uh, Yes. Yeah, how often do they use writing to communicate with people? Mm.
2: Um, so I would, from from what I saw, and, uh, and I saw a few deaf people also saying the same thing, uh, deaf people don't use writing a lot uh, for many reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is that um, sign language has a different gra- grammar uh, rules than spoken language. So, for example, when I use text messaging to communicate with mom and dad, uh, the way we write is different. Like another person would read, and they'd feel like, "What is this? It's a little bit like gibberish." Um, so deaf people do not use writing a lot. Maybe like like the the youth or the uh, new generation would use texting or writing more than the old uh, generation. Uh, but mostly they would point at things. So, for example, if they're at a restaurant and there's a menu, they would point at what they want. Um, they would try to articulate uh, as much as possible, but writing not not much
1: anymore. Okay, last question for Samer. It's it's more of a commentary
0: rather than a question. <clears throat> All right, so I, I teach sound. Um, I'm a sound engineer. And uh, at this point, growing older, I can't hear anything above 13 kilohertz anymore. And uh, one of the funny things that I teach students, and this, this is just a little anecdote, is like, you know, you know this uh, Lebanese saying that, you know, The kind of reactions I get from my students when I explain to them that they're losing their hearing permanently in a certain frequency, it's just, uh, it's funny to see their shock.
2: very interesting we're all losing our hearing without knowing
1: <laughs> i'll wrap it up the way i know how uh there's a few things you said during the discussion that stick with me uh you referenced the the ability to look at a painting and see expression or even poetry and find constructive use in language that kind of artistic expression uh i think is so valuable and it's a shared experience it extends obviously to more than just those music for the hearing community is one of those shared experiences but what you're doing and the way you do it is in itself a shared experience because i'm actually watching every movement you're making And I've heard people tell me something, which I don't know how true it is. They said you have a a voice that's meant for podcasting. I don't know what that means. But let's just assume they're right. You have the most natural, visual, physical expressions I've seen in a very long time. And I hope you continue to do what you're doing. You should be very proud of what you're doing. And I know your parents are proud of you as well. This is one of the most enriching discussions I've had. And I really owe it to the audience in particular for joining tonight and being here. So thanks to you and thanks to your parents for creating (laughs) Na'ilah. And thanks to everyone who joined tonight. It means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you. I'll emphasize... uh, Sign with Naila, is that right? Or is it signing with Naila?
2: Sign with Naila. Th-
1: thank you. On Instagram, follow her. Uh, check out her courses. Catch her at cafes. Teaching staff how to do this. And uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, Naila. You're terrific at it. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for um, for inviting me. Thank you for... Um, I-, I have to say that... Uh, and and this is your sign because I caught deaf people using your sign is, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot see your sign. Wait wait
1: it comes back in one okay, one okay, second. Okay let's wait. All right, wait five <laughs> seconds hold on. Hey,
2: this is like uh, so that you would get excited. Okay yeah what's the your build up sign? What's the your build up.
1: <laughs> Gemini. <laughs> no that's not a no? sign. oh my I, I god I know I know yeah. <laughs> good, good pun. Good pun. Good pun. Wait, You think it'll come back? I think so. Yeah. Let's count to five. So... Hey, this is still but, capturing But can
2: you? Uh, but the, the microphones are off. No. Uh, no, no. It's,
1: it's... Still recording. It's not
2: going. On. Ah, okay. Can speak it, but can speak okay. Yeah. okay. Hey, okay here we go. yeah we're back. Perfect. So the sign for his name, actually, and I saw um, deaf people using it, which is like this, Roni, <laughs> because of your yeah. <laughs> Because of your beard. Uh, Okay, so my dad is adding actually, it's not only that, it's that and the ponytail. So that's like Roni. So this is your sign, you can use it. Go ahead. This is your uh, the, the, the gift from the uh, deaf community. So I wanted to say something, and I forgot.
1: I'll give you time to... I'll give you a few seconds to... Oh, no.
2: But, oh, okay, yeah. Wait. I remembered. But
1: wait, wait. I want to add one more thing, then you do it. Yes,
2: add one more thing. I
1: thought this would be my sign. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's that Okay, and that. no. Yeah, okay. I,
2: think, I think that's... Yeah, uh, that's this better. Is, uh,
1: okay. I'll lose weight. But Yes, you will, yeah. you
2: will lose weight, and, and then this that. would yeah, be... Yeah. Yeah always there we're yeah, saying a lot of people have uh, really big bellies but like uh, but like having uh, <laughs> having this mustache and the the, hair. the combination this is like special for you um, so i want to say that um, roni put so much effort uh, asking me how can we make this uh, this episode accessible and what do i and the deaf people need And also, um, the people who are working here in the coffee shop, uh, they messaged me uh, before asking me if I can teach them a few signs before the deaf people come in so that they can uh, make this space accessible. And I want to say that this is beautiful and thank you um, because really, like, personal initiatives really, like make a big difference it's not organizations sometimes but like it's one person thinking how can i make what i'm doing right now more accessible uh this is what changes Uh, i want to say the world without sounding cheesy but this is what changes the world yeah
1: (laughs) you're a gifted communicator and you're so natural and wonderful. And I, all I can say is, don't stop what you're doing. So thanks again to everyone. Thank you, Na'ila. Thanks for listening and watching. And a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatar, and this is the Beirut Banyan.